once again for the Built by Bama online podcast. It is a post-draft edition of the Built by Bama online pod. Travis Ryer, senior analyst for BamaOnline.com, here with you. Episode two of the podcast here on BOL. And joining me today will be both Charlie Potter, who does an outstanding job, as you know, of covering the Alabama Crimson Tide for 247sports.com. We'll check in with Charlie. We'll review the 2019 NFL draft as it related to Alabama's draft contingent. And then coming up later in the pod, we'll check in with Hank South, recruiting analyst for BamaOnline.com. Get his thoughts on the draft from a recruiting perspective. Maybe look ahead uh, at some guys that are either a part of this 2019 recruiting class or even in 2020, maybe even beyond, that Hank feels like are pretty much slam dunks for future NFL drafts. But we start from the team perspective. And to do that, again, we check in with Charlie Potter. Charlie, how uh, how did you come out of this 2019 NFL draft you in one piece after all that I think so um you know it's always good to come out on the other side of the draft because that means you know we have the offseason to look forward to but now the, the draft is a fun time of year it's always good to see these guys that you've covered the last three four sometimes even five years um you'll see their dreams realized guys like Christian Miller Ross Pierce Baker you know, they've been waiting a long time for this moment to hear their name called it's pretty gratifying as someone that talks to these guys and probably at least once a week, sometimes two, depending on uh, media schedules and post-game interviews. So um, it, it's always a fun time just to kind of see uh, what's next, what the future holds for these guys. And, and a lot of them are going to be making a lot of money, so I know they're pretty happy this weekend. Yeah, and what you do, Charlie, there very much is that human element, right? Because you are interacting with these guys on a, on a pretty regular basis, as you outlined, between uh, media availabilities, uh, whether that's during the game week, whether that's in the off season, whether that's post game, um, it, it's hard, isn't it, not to sort of pull for a lot of these guys, given those those interactions that you have with them over three, four, maybe even five years, like in a in a situation with Christian Miller. Yeah, I mean it, it's really gratifying, uh, especially this year. Um, just because you had those redshirt seniors, like I mentioned, but we always talk about the the five stars, how they translate from um, high school to the college game to first round NFL draft picks. Well, Alabama had three players drafted in the first round, and, and even its first four picks, three of them I think were three and four stars. I mean, Jonah Williams obviously is someone we thought was going to be a first round draft pick for the moment that he stepped on campus, but then you have players like uh, Josh Jacobs and Irv Smith. Both of those guys were three star prospects. Um, Josh was the first running back off the board. Uh, Irv would have been had it not been for a couple of tight ends from from Iowa. And then you know Quinnen, I mean, he was a four star recruit out of Winona, but you know he's a player that waited his turn. You know got really one year as a starter and as a contributor and made the most of it and was the most dominant player in college football. And he's rewarded with a top three pick. So um, you know just kind of they're not rags to riches story at Alabama. But uh, those guys that are getting that opportunity after you know, maybe not being as highly coveted out of high school is, is really gratifying to see. Yeah, for the most part, good dudes, right? I mean, just good people that you've interacted with that we've seen go through this program in recent years, uh, including some just incredible stories like Josh Jacobs uh, and Quinnen Williams losing his mother, sadly, uh, at a young age. And not only Quinnen, right, uh, on day one, but his brother Quincy 
goes in the third round on day two to our Jacksonville Jaguars. So the story involving the Williams family just gets better and better, it seems like, with each passing day. Now, Charlie, uh, once again, double-digit draft selections from this Alabama program. Uh, I think that's what – is that 32 selections over the last three years? Um, Another year in which multiple first-rounders are taking – uh, from Nick Saban's program, uh, three this time, had four in each of the previous two years. So that's 11 first-round selections over the last three years. Um, I don't know what number. We talked about this a little bit last week with Hank South and yourself. I don't know which number, which streak is most impressive. Do you have one that you sort of point to at this point uh, under Nick Saban that, that is particularly stunning, in your opinion? <laughs> It's hard because there are a lot of impressive numbers. Um, you know, the one that I was talking about on the radio with someone uh, before the draft, it got even bigger. Is the, the first round draft picks? You know, you have three this year, um, and and Nick Saban in his time at Alabama has twenty nine, and that's eight more than the losses that Alabama has had since he's become head coach, which is twenty one. And that's just that's an absurd number that. Um, you know, as a beat reporter, someone that's here every day, you kind of lose sight of, you, you, you kind of become numb to the success that Alabama's having. But when you see that uh, on a graphic from the SEC network, it, it just kind of blows your mind a little bit, the success and the, the sustained success that Alabama's had under Nick Saban. Um, you know, to have 32 players drafted in the last three years, um, you know, you've led the nation the last two years with 12 and 10 draft picks, respectively. Um, I think it's 87 draft picks over the last 11 years. Um, the, the numbers just print recruiting graphics and, and put eyes on Alabama continuously. Um, so it, it's, it's hard to pick one. I think the first-round draft picks, though, is the one that's the most impressive to me because that's what people talk about. And, and Alabama not only talks the talk, they walk the walk in that regard. Yeah, 21 losses under Nick Saban, six of those in his first season to kind of put that into a further <laughs> yeah. perspective of ridiculousness uh, when we talk about those kind of numbers. That is a that is a head scratcher. That is a that's a big time number, big time stat when you look at it from that standpoint. Now, let's talk about this class in terms of some some areas of who got paid and maybe who should have stayed. Uh, we know that Quinnen Williams, Jonah Williams, Josh Jacobs, they got paid. Uh, then you get into sort of the the next wave of of underclassmen. Quinnen Williams, Jonah, Jacobs, all underclassmen, and they they most certainly got paid. Then you get into Irv Smith Jr. He goes in the second round, number fifty overall to the Minnesota Vikings. Um, Deontay Thompson had a year of eligibility remaining as a fourth year junior. He doesn't go until the fifth round to the Arizona Cardinals. Likewise, Mac Wilson, with a year of eligibility still in, under his belt, goes fifth round to the Cleveland Browns. Um, of that next wave of underclassmen, Charlie, uh, was this a case of Nick Saban being right on the money, or were there some maybe unforeseen circumstances, especially with a guy like Thompson? during the draft process that that could have really impacted, you know, his slide a little bit when you look at those mid to later rounds for, for players like these guys. Yeah. With, with Deontay, um, you know, it's tough to see because we were talking about just the you know, relationships and how you feel about players. And he comes from a great family. Um, you know, I respect his dad, Vester a lot. 
Um, and he's a guy that's champion for Deontay throughout this whole process. But, you know, there were reports that came out that, you know, De- Deontay had a knee issue that teams were kind of worried about. Uh, everybody knows he had the wrist issue that he had surgery on before the combine. He didn't get to take part in any of the drills there. Um, he didn't participate in anything in Alabama's pro day. And then when Alabama's second pro day rolled around, I think it was the 2nd of April. Um, I believe that was the exact date, but at the beginning of April, regardless, um, I know he tested well, but I don't think he ever ran the 40 in front of scouts. And that's always kind of a red flag and um, leads people to dig. And then and, and obviously the, the knee issue, I think, became known to most teams. And you know, so he drops to the first pick around five. I don't think that's where he wanted to go. I don't think that's where a lot of people envisioned he would go. I think maybe the third or fourth round was where um, you know, a lot of people thought that he would hear his name called. But, um, you know, he dropped. Uh, I think, you know, he's a he and Mac are both examples of players that you know might should have considered coming back but you also don't know their you know their motives um you know a lot of these people um have they come from backgrounds that aren't the best Uh, i know deontay comes from a great family but you know financially um you you always wonder you know what the the motive is there and you know he's gonna have a signing bonus of more than three hundred thousand dollars and you know for a lot of people myself included that's that's life-changing money yeah Um, you know his his contract is almost $3 million uh, total. He's going to have like a nearly a $600,000 cap hit for the 2019 season for the Cardinals. And, um, you know, that, that's a difference maker, you know, for Mac, he was obviously drafted you know, several picks later, uh, I think 16 picks into the, the fifth round. He heard his name called at number 17, number 155 overall. And, um, you know, similar situation in terms of, of the dollar value, just because they're so close together, uh, Deontay, Ross Pierce Baker and Mac. But I think those two, Mac and, and Deontay, um, you know, if you were to say who were two guys that should have probably considered coming back to school just from where they were drafted to maybe where they were projected at the beginning of the season at certain points during the 2018 season, you know, they're at the top of the list just because of how far they fell uh, in the draft. Some people might point to, to Irv because he wasn't a first-round draft pick. It's, I mean, a number 50 pick, he's going to be a person that's potentially a starter in Minnesota just because, um, you know, Kyle Rudolph is an aging tight end and, and they can go with the younger guy that's that costs less money. But, uh, you know, he's going into a good situation and he's a guy that um, you, know, you, you can't help that you have two basically all Americans ahead of you from Iowa in this draft class. And so I think he still made the right decision. But those two guys, it, it's, it's tough. Um, like I said, you don't know their reasons, you know, they're wise for entering the draft. But uh, just looking at where they got picked, I think there's probably some disappointment there. Yeah, you know, for Irv, relative to his position, uh, like you can look at the first round, right? I, and I want to say, how many defensive linemen went in the first round, Charlie? I, I think it was 10. <laughs> yeah, it was double digits, right? So you can be the 10th defensive lineman on a team's board and still be a first-round pick. You can be the third tight end overall and still not go into the second round. It all goes back to value, too at your position. And so when I look at Irv Smith Jr. as a second round selection of the Minnesota Vikings, to me, that equates as a first round guy based on, you know, his position value. Um, You know, the the thing with Deontay Thompson, he was a four year guy. You know, this isn't a three and out. So Deontay actually was in the program for four years, Um, finished his degree work, got that done. So I, I never have a problem. I don't have a problem really with any of these guys coming out. It's a shame when we see nearly 50 underclassmen 
like we saw over the weekend, go undrafted altogether. That's the biggest shame in all of this with the underclassmen. But you got a guy like Deontay. He, he did his four years, got his degree work done. Um, you know, with Mac, I, I think that was the bigger mistake because he was a third-year guy. Uh, he still needed that extra year. Uh, I would say, especially given the tape that he produced uh, in 2018. So every case isn't the same. We like to lump all these underclassmen in, but when you start to parcel out, as you said, Charlie, sort of the whys for each of these guys relative to their position, relative to their personal lives, um, no two are the same. Uh, So you got to be careful with some of the the blanket statements. But I wanted to ask you this, Charlie, as we kind of get into some topical angles with this draft class who was the biggest surprise for you maybe the guy that went higher maybe the guy that went to a certain place maybe the guy that didn't go as high as you sort of anticipated with this Alabama draft class who would be that player for you it has to be the Washington Redskins selecting another out no I'm just kidding that was (laughs) that was on your your draft board bingo uh for a Redskins player to pick one and and they did with Ross Pierce Baker but no I think for me, it was probably Christian Miller, um, you know, being the first guy on day three coming off the board because you had players like Deontay Thompson and Mac Wilson there. Uh, I think Isaiah Bugs was maybe ranked on some people's boards a little higher. You saw, um, you know, just the graphics come up, whether you're watching ESPN or NFL Network, uh, you know, his name flashes as, as the best available at, along the defensive line in a very deep draft for the defensive line. But, you know, Christian was you know, the 13th pick of the fourth round. Uh, he came off the board pretty early on day three, uh, ahead of Deontay, ahead of Ross, ahead of Mac, ahead of Isaiah, and um, you know he's going basically back home to to Charlotte. It's not very far from from Columbia, South Carolina, of his hometown, and uh, um, you know he's going to a place where I'm pretty sure he visited the, the Panthers, had a private visit uh, during the draft process, and um, you know they're looking for an edge presence, and you know he's some people are calling him the King of Bend in this draft, and um, you know, he made the most of uh, his opportunities with whether it's um, you know working out at the combine. He wasn't able to do much because that hamstring, and then you know doing some more stuff at pro days. Um, you know, Christian's a, a talented player, and um, you know I think as a fifth-year senior, you know, having all that tape and, and showing how important he was to this defense, not being able to be out there for the national championship game, uh, he helped himself out and to, to be the the sixth guy off the board overall and. You know, the first ahead of some guys that left a year early. Uh, I think that was a bit of a surprise, but he's going to a good situation. He's going to be close to his family, and it's, it's a great opportunity for Christian. You know, I'd probably go with Isaiah Bugs going in the sixth round. No surprise he went to the Steelers because Carl Dunbar, his old position coach at Alabama, is there now. Uh, but when you look at the production of Isaiah Bugs, he went into that 2018 season needing to answer questions uh, more so about pass rush than anything else. He showed in 2017 that he is very good against the run, uh, and I thought he did that. I mean, he was a playmaker for much of the 2018 season, 13 and a half tackles for loss, nine and a half sacks, uh, which, yeah, that led Alabama in that department. So he checked the boxes, I felt like, in coming back for that final year, but it just seemed like the draft, as we just talked about, first round was heavy on defensive linemen and at the top of that list of the top of that position group it was a great great year there's no doubt about it uh it seemed like the teams that really had a needed isaiah spot went early very early 
on those guys. And then there was sort of this dearth in the middle rounds to the later rounds and bugs subsequently falls to the sixth to the Steelers. But I, I still think a good situation for Isaiah bugs. Again, the familiarity there with Dunbar, uh, and, a, and a, a good organization that has done a good job in the past is sort of taking guys like Isaiah bugs and developing them into long time, long-term solutions uh, along that Steelers defensive front. Now, Charlie, we're going to play a little game of fill in the blank as we wind down with you here on a Built by Bama online podcast. Here you go. First one, non-first rounder, in your opinion, most likely to make the 2019 all-rookie team is? I'm going to go with Irv Smith Jr. I know he's the, the first player on the list that's not drafted in the first round, but I think he's going to a situation where you know he could be um, not necessarily a focal point, but heavily involved in that offense. Uh, I know they have uh, guys like Stephon Diggs. Um, and and they have plenty of playmakers, but he gives Kirk Cousins another option. And um, yeah, I would be interested to see what the future holds for Kyle Rudolph. Some people have already mentioned him as a potential uh, trade candidate with Irv coming in because of the playmaking ability that he has. Um, and, and Kirk Cousins likes to throw the tight end. I saw a lot of that whenever he was in Washington with a guy like Jordan Reed. So um, he's a guy, I think, you could also maybe look at um, you know, Christian Miller. Like I said, he got drafted higher than I expected, and I wouldn't uh, be surprised if he had a higher production as a rookie uh, than many people expect as well. But I would probably give the nod to, to Irv in that regard. Yeah, I'm going with Christian Miller there. I think maybe as a situational player very early on with the Carolina Panthers, maybe in some sub-package roles, which as we saw, Charlie, he handled a lot of that during his time at Alabama. Uh, I'll go with the fourth rounder, Christian Miller. Now, next up, first to make the Pro Bowl from this Alabama draft class. Who will that be, Charlie? I'm going to go with Josh Jacobs, and that's because um, you know Beast Mode is no longer in Oakland soon to be Las Vegas. But um, I think that in John Gruden's system and, and what they plan to do with the running back and help out Derek Carr, I think Josh Jacobs is going to have a really big year. Um, and it's it's tough, you know, because you want to save someone like Quinn and Williams or something, but um, it, with the, the fans having a, um, a stake in the Pro Bowl, I think the skill positions are more likely to to get that nod. And I think Josh Jacobs, um, you know, what he's probably going to do is, is his first season in Oakland and, and how much they're probably going to to rely on him and lean on him, um, you know, he's probably at the top of that list. I, I would, I would think that Quinnen can probably do it as well. Um, I'm excited to see what Quinnen can do with another, um, you know, star defensive lineman beside him and Leonard Williams. I think that can draw some attention away from him, and we saw the success that he can have when the double teams aren't coming toward him. But you know, Josh Jacobs, uh, I think that's an easy pick for for the guy to make the Pro Bowl in his first year. Yeah, who knows? Maybe Josh Jacobs. I doubt it as a first-round pick, but he could return kicks and uh, do some other things as well. Uh, I I went with Quinnen Williams. I went chalk here. Uh, You touched on teaming with Leonard Williams. I think that helps Quinnen early on. Uh, Having C.J. Mosley join that defense, the former Alabama standout Baltimore Raven, doesn't hurt either. Uh, I really like the way that that organization is trending right now. Sam Darnold at quarterback, Le'Veon Bell, we'll see coming on at the running back position. But I went with Quinn and Williams there. Now, a difference between, as we know, Pro Bowl and All-Pro. All-Pro is next level. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of guys make the Pro Bowl rosters uh, for the two teams. Uh, only a couple at each spot make All-Pro. So with that, Charlie, who will be Alabama's first All-Pro from this 2019 NFL draft class? 
I've got to go with Jonah. Um, you know, he just from the the moment he stepped on campus and we got to know him and to see what kind of technician he is and really just a big football nerd. Um, you know, he just seemed like he was going to be a guy that was going to be an all pro for many years to come in the NFL. Um, you know, he's stepping in a situation where he's going to start day one. Um, I, he's a guy that, you know, really models his game and his approach to a guy like Joe Thomas and who was a fixture on the all pro team. And mm. I think that Jonah, um, Jonah was a guy that for all of these categories that we have was, was tough not to list just because I think he's going to have an outstanding pro career. If he can, um, you know, stay healthy, he hasn't really had many injuries in, in his career at Alabama. I think that'll carry over to the pros and, yeah, for me, he's the first to make All-Pro, and, and that was probably one of the easiest selections on this list. Yeah, I like Jonah from that standpoint, too, Charlie. I, as much as anything, when I look at the competition Quinnen Williams is going to have for one of those spots as a first-team All-Pro, you're talking about Aaron Donald for <laughs> the Los Angeles Rams, Fletcher Cox, J.J. Watt. Um, I think the road to the first-team All-Pro uh, is going to be a good bit tougher for Quinnen Williams than it is Jonah, and I'm with you. I think Jonah, uh, from the get-go up there in Cincinnati, establishes himself as really a decade kind of guy. Uh, let's move on. First to win a Super Bowl. I mean, this one has to be easy, right? When you look at the teams that uh, the Alabama players went to, uh, who's your choice there? First to win a Super Bowl from this draft class. Yeah, this one didn't take very long either. Um, you you got to go with Damian Harris going to the New England Patriots just because um, you know, the, the reigning champs, um, they still have Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, and he's going into a system where you know he should thrive alongside. Um, uh, I just went completely blank on the Georgia running back that they drafted last year. But Sony Michelle, yeah, yeah. Sony Michelle. Um, I was still thinking of other running backs from from past New England Patriots teams, but nonetheless, uh, Damian Harris should should thrive in that offense and help them out and. Um, it, it's tough to, to pick anybody that's a non-patriot. And when he went there, you're like, well, Damon's going to get a Super Bowl ring eventually. But I think maybe if you go with a dark horse candidate, I'd probably go with Irv just because the, the Vikings have been making the playoffs and they have a, a pretty pretty solid defense. And you know he's just another weapon around Kirk Cousins. So I think he's probably my dark horse. But yeah, this one, just like Jonah, this one was pretty easy to fill in. Damian with the Patriots has, has got to be who you pick here. And as we wrap up with you, Charlie, on the Built by Bama online podcast, got to give some love to the undrafted free agent signees uh, from this Alabama group. Hale Hentges, tight end, goes to the Colts. Savion Smith, defensive back, goes to the Jaguars. Jamie Mosley joins his older brother, CJ, up in Gotham with the Jets. And Lester Cotton, the interior offensive lineman, is headed out west along with Josh Jacobs to the Oakland, soon-to-be Las Vegas Raiders. Of those four undrafted free agent signees, Charlie, the one guy most likely to make a 53-man roster is? Yeah, this one was tough. Uh, you know, I want to say Hale, just because um, you know he's a four-year contributor, a team captain. Hale has a great head on his shoulders, and I think he's going to be motivated uh, to go in there. I actually saw Hale at Target last night after <laughs> um, you know, he, he got his, um, he got the call or whatever. It won't be the night that, that last night when this posts, but, um, whenever he got, um, the opportunity to sign with the Colts, I saw him and he was getting some Tupperware containers to those big, um, you know, containers to, to likely haul stuff up to Indianapolis. I didn't ask specifics, but, um, I think he's a guy that has a good head on his shoulders and can do that. But 
it's tough with the tight end position. Um, it's, it's not a position where you're going to carry a lot of guys on a roster. Um, so I think with, with that in mind, I think you're likely looking at a guy like Savion Smith. Um, I haven't talked much about him. And it's a situation where we, we spoke at length about Deontay and Mac, but you know, Savion is another guy that declared early. He had one year at Alabama. He had a year left. And um, you know, he chose to, to enter the draft. And, and you know, there were some people that had him uh, with a draftable grade going the fifth or sixth round, I believe. And uh, you know, he doesn't come off the board. He's on that list of players that declared early and, and didn't hear their name called. So um, you know, DB is a position where we've seen guys in the past from Alabama specifically um, not go drafted and end up on rosters. Guys like Levi Wallace, guys like Tony Brown. Um, you know, they played a decent amount as rookies last year. And I think if, if you just look at it from a, a likeliness standpoint, from a position, um, you're more likely as a DB to make a roster than a tight end. So I'd probably side with Savion. But you, you want to see all these guys with an opportunity to stick with the team, get a paycheck, and, and provide for their families. I hope all four of them can do that. Yeah, Savion is a guy, too, that with his size and his skill set, he could probably play some safety. Um, and, and as we know, the more you can do, the, the more that you offer, uh, the better chances, better to compete at four different spots, right. Than just one or two. And, and I think Savion Smith might have that opportunity in Jacksonville. I'm going to go with Hale Hentges, the tight end, uh, with the Indianapolis Colts. Eric Ebron is obviously coming off one of the better seasons by a tight end in the national football league up there with Andrew Luck and the Colts, but Jack Doyle, that second tight end for the Colts had a pretty serious kidney uh, injury during the season, had to undergo a procedure in November. Uh, we'll see how it works out with Jack Doyle. You're right. Roster slots are precious uh, for guys at that spot, but I'll go with Hale. I think Hale has a shot there in Indianapolis, but it will be interesting, as you said, to see if, if two or three or maybe all four of these guys can kind of find homes in the National Football League. Well, as always, uh, Charlie Potter doing a great job breaking it down for you here on the Built by Bama online podcast coming up next going to check in with Hank South recruiting analyst for some perspective on this draft from his point of view Charlie as always good stuff my friend we'll do it again soon all right man always fun there you go up next Hank South recruiting analyst for BamaOnline.com on the built by Bama online podcast this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. And as promised, we check in now with Hank South, recruiting analyst for BamaOnline.com. Hank, uh, good to talk to you again. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. I'm excited to do our, our second go of this. Yeah, it was a busy weekend, as we all know. I think we pretty much hit on all the expectations 
going into that 2019 NFL draft. I know you and Charlie, who we heard from earlier here on the Built by Bama online podcast, anticipated three first-round picks. It played out that way. Was there, as we move more towards the the younger guys that, that we're going to get some sort of prediction slash ex- expectations from you on, was, was there one big surprise uh, in this draft from the Alabama perspective, Hank, in your opinion? Uh, you know, a little bit. You know, I, I was surprised to see, you know, Deontay Thompson and, and Mac Wilson go a little bit later. But I think overall, um, you know, we talked about it last week. Uh, I think we did the over-under of how many first-round picks Alabama would have. And, and uh, I, I believe both Charlie and I said – Three, uh, I can't remember four. Uh, with kind of with Josh Jacobs and Irv Smith right. being the uh, kind of those fringe guys, and and uh, of course three were drafted in the first round. But you know, overall, I, I think it was about as expected, and uh, no huge shocks. Um, I, I think the Cardinals got some great value um, in the fifth round with with Deontay Thompson, and I, I think Mac Wilson can can have a successful career with uh, with uh, a rising Cleveland Browns team. So overall, you know, about as expected, and uh, you know, uh, a, a big a big weekend for Alabama. You know, as we look ahead, Hank, to this 2020 class potentially, and you look at the potential for all the first rounders as underclassmen, right? From that 2017 class, Tua's class, basically, as it'll be known. If if it plays out the way some are forecasting, it's going to be pretty hard not to call that group the greatest class Nick Saban's ever had, at least from an NFL perspective, I guess. Oh, absolutely. You know, we've been saying that for a while, um, ever since Alabama beat Georgia in the in the 2018 title game. You know, I, I actually did a story shortly after signing day um, of this this past February uh, of all the guys that could potentially go early. Um, you know, you got guys like Alex Leatherwood, Jedrick Wills, Xavier McKinney. Um, and there's not even we're not even talking about Tua yet at this point. You got Najee Harris. uh the, the wide receiving core, you know, it, it's just a loaded class. Um, and, and, and you know, it, it's going to be next, next spring is going to be a lot of draft buzz when, when it comes to Alabama. You know, I think obviously one of the biggest storylines outside of Tua, um, and you know, his ultimate decision is, is what's going to happen with the receiving core. You know, is, is Jerry Judy going to, obviously I think Jerry Judy's the, the top receiver in the draft, but beyond that are guys like Henry Ruggs and, and Devonte Smith. What, what are they going to do? Um, and then, you know, the guys coming up, Tyrell Shavers, he was part of that 2017 class too. You know, maybe he has a big year in, in 2019. So, um, you know, there's a lot of storylines and a lot of talent, um, that could potentially leave Alabama early, um, for the 2020 NFL draft and some guys who could still potentially make big impacts down the road uh, that we don't talk about as much from that class guys like Brian Robinson at the running back position. If Najee Harris does go the three and out route, Mac Jones, uh, I can't think of a bigger potential contribution than perhaps being the successor <laughs> to Tua Tonga Loa. Obviously Talia is going to have something to say about that, but really from top to bottom, and you go from a three-star like Mac Jones up to the four-star level uh, with a guy like Brian Robinson, kind of a lower four maybe, uh, right up to the five stars, which you know it looks like just about all of those are hitting on the evaluations with Najee Harris, Alex Leatherwood, Dylan Moses, Jerry Judy, LeBrian Ray, Tua Tonga-Vailoa, Jedrick Wills, a very high four. Uh, I would say, I guess, uh, Hank, that those have – sort of played out as anticipated to this point. 
Yeah, absolutely. And you made you made great points with, with the rest of the guys still having their chance, you know, uh, beyond that, just just the guys that haven't already contributed, you know, Mark Hill Benton's still there in, in that linebacking core. Fedarian Mathis has a chance to, you know, really uh, claim his spot on the defensive line going forward. Christopher Allen is due back for a, a big year after his injury last year. So, you know, it, it, there's so much talent in that class. It, it's hard not to say that's the best um, Alabama signing class of all time. Um, looking back on it. How good could Vandarius Cowan have been at Alabama? I believe he's at West Virginia now, right? Right. But, you know, this was a guy you talk about and talk about a need right now at, at linebacker. Um, that That's the one that kind of got away, I would say, from the 2017 group. Yeah, absolutely. You know that that you know, looking at it now with, with that need, like you said, um, it, it stings a little bit seeing Vandarius Cowan not with the program it, from an Alabama fan's perspective. I mean, uh, the guy just the guy loved football. You know, he had some off the field issues. Obviously, he he was an Army All American in that 2017 class, and he actually couldn't play in the game because he got um, dismissed from his high school his senior year. So um, he he had some off the field stuff, but you know, on the field, you know, he he checked all the boxes, and he was a guy that I. I really saw big things for and you know I, I think he'll do really well at West Virginia if he can you know stay out of trouble and and uh and, and do everything he needs to do so you know I, I do think he was one of my favorite recruits in the class he was the leader of that 2017 class my one of my favorite recruits to talk to especially um he he was on Twitter recruiting guys and I think what was it savages play with savages was that <laughs> motto he created yeah. um so yeah you know it, I think Alvin would love to have him on their roster this year it just just didn't work out yeah, it could have been one of those two-way guys, too, that you maybe play inside on early downs and then you can kick him outside and rush the passer. He certainly right. had those measurables and that sort of skill set. You could see what Alabama certainly saw in Vandarius Cowan as a talent, as a prospect uh, from the football perspective, no doubt about it. Hey, let's talk 2019 in the way-too-distant future because we got a really strong glimpse of 15 of these guys as early enrollees during uh, 2019 spring drills. So what I'm going to ask you, uh, again, far too early, we understand that, but give me the one offensive signee uh, from this 2019 Alabama class that you think is most likely to have his name called in an NFL draft either three or four years down the road. Yeah, you know, I, I think it's it's a pretty easy call with that one, and I would go with Evan Neal. You know, we have uh, he's a twenty four seven Sports composite number one offensive tackle in the country, um, six seven and a half, three hundred and sixty pounds. Uh, uh, you know, he, he's been on campus since January, went through spring, and obviously made some noise, uh, made some noise there. And you know, I I I, I anticipate Evan Neal having a fantastic career at Alabama. Um, you know, you you can see why Alabama coveted him so much out of IMG Academy, and and even took that early commitment um, when when he committed uh, three years ago as a as a freshman in high school. So, um, you know, I, I think looking at Evan Neal and everything he brings to the table with his size, he's flexible. He kind of like like I said with Vendarius Cowan, as, as far as a player at that position, he just checks all the boxes. And, and you know, as, as he continues to develop, I, I think he he's an easy uh, shoe in for that for to be a first round pick come uh, come draft time. Would Trey Sanders be next up? Another IMG guy, or would you go somewhere else maybe on the offensive side of the ball in this class? You know, I, I could see it. You know, uh, we're still waiting on Trey Sanders, obviously, to, to get to Alabama when when the rest of the summer enrollees um, come in. But I, I think that's that's a, a solid prediction. You know, rated the number one running back in the country. I, I think he can certainly uh, – 
you know, he, he's going to have his chance to, to really contribute and, and, and make a name for himself in the Alabama offense. You know, I think a guy like maybe even Darian Dalcourt down the line, um, if he continues to develop, I've heard nothing but great things about his work ethic and everything he brings to the table. And, and obviously he's, he's on campus already too. So um, that really that whole offensive line class is, is kind of hard to find flaws with those guys with Pierce quick and Amari kite. Um, so they've got some talent up front um, going forward and, and those guys are going to be fun to watch. Yeah, it looks like the offensive staff wasting no time with Dahlcourt in terms of grooming him potentially uh, to play over the football uh, at the center position. Uh, But he can absolutely help you at other spots up front as well. What about on the defensive side of the ball, Hank? Give me your future first rounder from this 2019 class. That one guy that you feel most certain about at this point anyway, looking ahead three or four years down the road. You know, had you asked me this two months ago after the All-American Bowl in San Antonio, I would have said Antonio Alfano. And, you know, it's hard not to. We haven't rated the number one player in the country and for good reason with with everything he brings to the table. But, you know, after the spring, uh, a guy like DJ Dale, just you know, just claiming that spot um, in the in the ties defensive front. Um, I, I think if I had to pick one, I, I'd still probably go with Alfano. But, man, similar to like I just said about the offensive line and, and not really being able to find flaws with the group, the Tides defensive line signing class. Class in 2019 is probably the best ever, at least on paper. And that, and we were talking about that, and not really even mentioning DJ Dale much. It was all about Alfano, Iboigbe, uh, Byron Young, uh, Braylon Ingram. And those guys, I mean, it, it was, I mean, it shouldn't have been, but DJ Dale wasn't really talked about as being one of those elite guys. And and now, as we see it now, he should have been. Um, so um, I'm going to stick with Alfano. Um, we ranked him number one, the number one player in the nation for a reason. Um, but, you know, any of those defensive line signees, I, I think, could uh, could uh, make their make their case to be a first rounder. You, you mentioned Byron Young as much as we were impressed by the trio of a Boigby, Alfano, and Dale in the spring, do you think there's a chance we might be even more blown away when we see Byron Young out there in August with this group? No, yeah. I mean, seeing Byron Young in person, I, I think he's one of the most impressive frames in this class. You know, I, I haven't seen every single uh, signee in person in this 2019 class, but I was about around Byron Young a few times and, you know, I keep saying it, but a, a guy that checks all the boxes, you know, uh, just a hair under six, three, um, 290 pounds, just really, really strong player. Um, and I, you know, I think once he gets on campus, um, next month, um, when the rest of the summer enrollees come, I think he's going to be a guy that really excels. You know, you, you always kind of get a good, uh, it's always a good indicator with players when you talk to their high school coaches about the guy's work ethic and, and, you know, what they can bring to the table. And, uh, Byron young, you know, his coach had nothing but good things to say about him, both on the football field, off the football field, in the weight room, in the community, you know, Byron young is that guy. So, um, I think he could, he could be one of the, one of the steals in this class, not even a steal. I mean, he's, he's rated the number 77 player in the country. Um, so, I mean, certainly people, people had an idea about him. Um, and and I think he's going to prove that, um, once he gets on campus and I should mention, I didn't even mention Ishmael Sopcher either out of the signing class that, that just goes to show, I mean, this defensive line signing class was, was, uh, was ridiculous for is a good word. Well, there you go. Uh, way too early look ahead at some of the members of the 2019 Alabama football recruiting class in relation to some future NFL drafts. Hey, why not? It seems like a pretty much annual thing that we do these days around here. Well, Hank, as always, appreciate you joining us here on the Built by Bama online podcast. Look forward to doing it again real soon. Absolutely. Thanks, Travis. There, 
There you go. Check in with us again in the very near future. We'll have another Built by Bama online podcast available to you at all your favorite podcast outlets. That's right. The Built by Bama online podcast, episode three, coming soon.